0: Think on your feet for our fast and curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race, hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info
1: and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
2: I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, your source for everything happening in Chicago and beyond.
3: The House and Senate remains up in the air this morning as both parties pick up crucial wins.
1: And just look at this map. That's not a red wave. Uh, That's nothing like a red wave.
3: The lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, John Fetterman, is going to be the next senator.
1: I never expected that we were going to turn these red counties blue, but we did what we needed to do. Now, Pritzker scoring a double-digit
2: win over Republican challenger Darren Bailey.
1: And I am so thrilled to spend four more years as your governor.
0: The Democrat Alexi Janoulias will be Illinois' next Secretary of State after a run against Republican Dan Brady.
1: Republicans began this day hoping to possibly take control of the Illinois Supreme Court. It's turning out apparently just the opposite, however. It's
2: nearly a full day after polls closed on Election Day, and we still don't know which party will control the U.S. Senate and the House of Representatives. A handful of Senate races remain too close to call, including that nail-biter in Georgia, where it's looking like they'll be heading to a runoff. Dozens of House races are also too close or too early to call. But one thing is clear after last night. The red wave that many Republicans expected never happened. And here in Illinois, Democrats won big, retaining the governor's mansion, holding on to two key congressional seats in the suburbs, keeping control of the state Supreme Court, and much more. With us to break down some of the results and what they mean for you, we've got WBEZ state politics reporter Dave McKinney and Chicago Sun-Times chief political reporter Tina Svandalis. Dave, you know, before we get to the governor's race and other big local races, I do want to spend a few minutes taking stock of the big picture here. Typically in a midterm election, the party that's out of power wins big and often easily retakes the House. What do you make of the fact that Democrats could possibly retain control of both the House and Senate?
0: Well, I, you know, it's it's hard to judge right now really where we stand on those questions, Sasha, because it feels very much still like it's a jump ball both for the, the U.S. House and the Senate. Uh, I think the Senate maybe leans ever so slightly to the uh, uh, Democratic side. The House leans ever so slightly to the House side. You know, I mean, you've got to look at this. You have a, a really kind of a historically unpopular president in Joe Biden. I mean, his his approval ratings are as low as any president. I was looking at Gallup a, a couple of days ago, as mm-hmm. low as any president since Dwight Eisenhower at this point in his term. And yet, here we are. And, yeah. and I think what, it, what we're kind of seeing is the, the, the impact of the Dobbs ruling is having some pretty profound effects around the country and and drawing lots and lots of people out men and women particularly women in the suburbs yeah and and, I, and we're seeing we're seeing these which races i think we
2: expected sort mm-hmm. of right
0: we 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 did expect it but you know we saw a smattering of polls that had you know a, abortion all over the place like you know high a, a, a top priority not so top priority and and you know honestly my my thought about it was that the timing of that ruling you know might might have been you know for democratic purposes better had it come like around Labor Day or, or October, you yeah, know, I instead you of Memorial Day. But, but lo, you know, lo and behold, it looks like it was a real factor.
2: And Tina, Democratic Senator from Illinois, Tammy Duckworth, crushed her opponent, Republican Kathy Salvi. We're going to get into those details in a little bit. But, you know, nationally, the, the Senate is a toss up. We're still waiting on Georgia. We're still waiting on Nevada. Democrats did pick up a key seat in Pennsylvania. Just r- remind us, how different might things be for President Biden's agenda, depending on whether Democrats or Republicans happen to prevail in Congress?
3: Uh, things will be hugely different if he loses both the House and the Senate. Um, he'll have difficulty with judicial appointments and other confirmations. Um, that's kind of why he tried to rush through things in the first two years, which he did a good job with in, on some matters. Um, he knew that this was a possibility, so he was trying to prepare for that. But he seems really hopeful uh, that there are... That they might pick up the Senate, and that would be huge for him and his agenda, and yeah. for any but another potential presidential run, he'll be able to factor in a little bit more. Yeah, thoughts, Dave?
0: Well, you know, I think that uh, the, the thing that that you, you watch—I mean, the, the, the one issue in Congress where both parties have to play nice with one another is when it comes to extending the debt ceiling, and we don't often think about that, but it, you know, it it creates a situation where America could default on things, and. And that becomes a leverage point if Republicans control the House. You know, there will also be investigations that they'll be waging in the House under under a possible Speaker McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Um, impeachments have been talked about. And then uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the, the congresswoman from Georgia, I mean, she was uh, speaking uh, a day or two ago, and she said not a single dime more will go to uh, help the Ukrainians fight against the Russians. So, I mean, you could see a situation where – uh, the House being in Republican hands could create all sorts of budgetary headaches mm-hmm. for, for uh, uh, President Biden and really change the course of, of things in the, uh, the, the battle for uh, Ukraine.
2: And Tina, I know you both are more focused on state politics, but any races that you're keeping an eye on in particular in the House or Senate? I'm definitely watching the Georgia
3: race, and there is a local connection here in that um, Raphael Warnock's campaign manager is J.B. Pritzker's former political director. He left his side to go to that race. So if there is a runoff, there's lots of people, lots of Pritzker people watching to see what's going to happen, and obviously that's hugely important. Also Nevada, I want to see what happened there. I think exit polling showed that there were a lot of Latino voters, which is what would be better for democrats so and a lot of mail-in ballots that they're waiting for which usually tend to skew democratic so mm-hmm. i'm interested to see what will happen there
2: well speaking of pritzker uh, incumbent democratic governor jb pritzker really had no problem whatsoever holding off a challenge from downstate's uh, state senator and farmer darren bailey tell us about his margin of victory here tina
3: well it was as you know, yesterday I was listening to WB right in the newsroom. Things were called right at seven o'clock and we held off a bit because we wanted to see some precincts reporting numbers. Um and that I was... was shocked. I was like, it's <laughs> I looked at my watch, I was like, it's seven o'clock. How yes. did they know this already? My colleague next to me was getting alerts on his phone and I was just panicking, like, Oh my God, <laughs> everything's over. Um but thankfully we waited a bit and it they were correct, obviously. Um there was a large margin of um success for J.B. Pritzker. Right now he's at 54.3% to Darren Bailey's Mm -hmm. 42.9%. One funny thing that Dave and I both experienced yesterday is that uh, Pritzker had thought that Bailey would concede right away and he wrote it in his remarks or his speechwriter did and he didn't until about an hour and a half later. Um, But it was really nice. His like rosy scenario was like everything's wonderful and he was gracious and I wish him well uh, which he did end up getting that about an hour and a half later. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a little interesting tidbit.
2: Well, let's hear some of those moments. First, Pritzker did give a fiery speech to his supporters.
1: We raised the minimum wage to a livable wage. We guaranteed a woman's right to choose. We balanced the budget, paid all our overdue bills, and got six credit upgrades. Facing this moment means fighting these battles together. Together we must be bold and we must never shy away from our big D democratic or little D democratic values. And to all of you, let me be even clearer. To anyone who thinks that they can come into this state and try to force some right-wing MAGA war on a woman's body, you will, you will never get an inch of Illinois.
2: And since you brought it up, Tina, you know, Darren Bailey did wait until about 10 o'clock last night to address his supporters. He didn't concede exactly, but he did say that it would be a miracle if he won. I want to play a little bit of uh, his speech. He, He did manage to take the opportunity to knock Pritzker as well.
1: Tonight didn't turn out the way we wanted, but thanks to God, we still have so many blessings. Republicans need to be the loyal opposition in Springfield, loyal to our state loyal to our country, loyal to our Constitution, but in opposition to the radical policies of the Democrats. Friends, we must work together to find solutions for all the people of Illinois. Illinois can be better. Illinois must be better. Our leaders must be better. And J.B. Pritzker, you need to be better.
2: All right. So let's talk about both of those. First of all, Pritzker's speech, Dave, what do you make of
0: it? Well, I mean, he, you know, it was packed with emotion and and fury, I think. You know, I mean, it was just a lot was coming out there. And, you know, our clips didn't really give a flavor, I think, of of how he was taking a lot of shots at Donald Trump. And there was there was sort of this feel almost like, you know, there had been talk of back in in June, I think, about, you know, potential presidential aspirations of J.B. Pritzker. Right. he put those to rest when when Joe Biden came out and said, "Hey, I'm running," and Pritzker said, "Well, I'm not going to, you know, light that flame if mm-hmm. you're going to run," but but it sounded very much like you know he, it it had a it, it it sounded like it had two intended audiences: one in in the state of Illinois and the base uh, uh, the Democratic base that helped elect him, the independents that helped elect him, mm-hmm. plus an audience outside of Illinois that maybe you know look here's a governor in a in a deep blue state who you know in what a lot of people going into it thought it was not going to be a politically fa- favorable environment for Democrats, you know, just gave a complete thrashing to Darren Bailey. Yeah. And, and it wasn't even close.
2: Well, what do you think, Tina, was, was maybe that defining factor that led to, to Illinois voters supporting Pritzker? Uh, well,
3: it's years of control, having a Democratic supermajority, $150 million, lots of factors. Yeah. Um, choosing a primary opponent in Darren Bailey, um, just I think Dave has written before like it was his race to lose because it, every, all the cards were in his favor. People thought maybe there would be a Republican yeah. momentum um, that we didn't see. But if you look at the map, it's very red our, in many counties. There are a lot of Republicans in our state. He has 1.6 million votes. So what he's talking about, Darren Bailey, yeah. is... J.B. Pritzker does need to pay attention to the rest of the state. Um, he did win some uh, downstate counties four years ago, and he did not win downstate counties this year. So you know he he needs to find a way to speak to those central and downstate yeah. voters, or there's there's all over the place. Like like I said, look at the map; it's so red. Besides typically Democratic counties. Um, and so that's something different than what you saw four years ago with yeah, Pritzker. Yeah.
2: And, and I mean, Pritzker did have this record on COVID, right? He had, he had a pretty good record on COVID. The economy as well, that strong stance he's taken on on abortion. So I think it's sort of, sort of a multitude of things.
3: Right. So, well, But the social issues are what caused that split that we're seeing on the map because Central and Downstate Illinois, yeah. they were not happy with those mandates. Um, that's That's what sparked Bailey's campaign. So what do you think, Dave,
2: is is running through the mind of Republican Party leaders and and Republican strategists in Illinois this morning on the heels of of Bailey's loss?
0: You know, I think that there are members of the Republican Party who are engaging in a lot of I told you so this morning. I mean, the people who had backed Richard Irvin, the Aurora mayor in the primary against Darren Bailey, are, are looking at last night's results and saying, you know, this this is exactly how we predicted an underfunded candidate too far to the right a guy who uh, was out of step with Illinoisans on abortion and a lot of other social issues, couldn't attract uh, a backing in the collar counties. Uh, you know, it just it just all came together as the way many of them had predicted. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and I, I think you have to if you're if you're a Republican in Illinois today, you, you know, you have to start this period of time where you do some serious soul searching. What exactly is your identity? Because the party, you know, it it it's almost like a sugar high that this party has had where, you know, they feel like they're on top of the world when they win primaries. But that's not what this is about. Yeah. They have to win general elections. And they don't have they don't have the bench right now established to be able you know, of candidates that, that would appeal. Uh I mean, the history in our state, Sasha, is that, you know, for twenty six straight years, Republicans were, you know, controlling the governor's mansion. And they did it. With a succession of people from jim thompson to george or to jim edgar to george ryan people who were social moderates and fiscal conservatives you know and this culture war stuff that republicans you know who embrace and drape themselves in donald trump they are insistent on doing it just is not something that illinois voters by and large are interested in downstate Mm -hmm. they are but elections are not one only downstate they take the collar counties and the city of chicago And those two came together and gave Pritzker a very convincing win.
2: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're breaking down the results from the 2022 midterm elections. Right now, it's not yet clear which party will control Congress. But here in Illinois, it's a different story. Democrats winning across the board. Uh, J.B. Pritzker gets another four years as governor. Tammy Duckworth, another six years in the Senate. Alexi Janulius replaces Jesse White as secretary of state. And two members of the House, Sean Caston and Lauren Underwood, held on to their seats in suburban districts that Republicans saw as vulnerable. We're here with WBEZ's Dave McKinney and Tina Svandellis of The Sun-Times, analyzing what the results mean and how they could shape politics in Illinois in in the years to come. Let's um, get to more statewide races in a little bit. I want to talk about Congress first. Two big wins for Democrats in the suburbs. Uh, Democratic win downstate near Springfield, and a Democrat is ahead in the 17th district in the northwest part of the state. So it looks like Illinois' Republican power in the House is shrinking. What do you think of that, Dave?
0: Yeah, I mean, when Democrats redrew congressional boundaries last year, I think they did so with the, the mindset that, that the split would maybe be 14 to 3 Democrats over Republicans. You know, they might actually do better than, than that, or or that certainly they'll meet that expectation. I, I think that that Race you mentioned in, in far northwestern Illinois was, yeah. was a total toss up because it's a it's a, uh, a purple district by nature. Sherry Bustos uh, was a, a longtime popular Democratic incumbent there. But that district over over time has gone back and forth between Republicans and Democrats. And then uh, they picked up a, a seat downstate, a newly created seat along uh, really kind of the, the Interstate 55 and Interstate 72 corridors between Decatur, Springfield and and uh, uh, East St. Louis. Uh, that is is going to be a Democratic seat, mm-hmm. um, you know. So I mean the, the Democrats, the Democrats have to feel statewide that the congressional delegation that that got elected, uh, you know, they got to feel good about that. And um, I think particularly in the collar counties too, when you had uh, for for a big chunk of last night, Sean Casten uh, looking like he was in a very tight race with the Orland Park Mayor Keith mm-hmm. Bacow, uh and and uh, you know, and it, it just the 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 statement that Pacquiao put out afterwards uh, really kind of dripped with sour grapes. I think you know he 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 didn't really accept defeat in any way, and and the way it was structured, it 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 you know he didn't really pay uh, much respect. I don't think to the voters who elected Caston. I mean, said that yeah. they voters were duped by lies. And uh, you know, I I the, the way I grew up understanding politics and government is you respect elections. You you respect the outcome of them. Right. And and language like that. My way of thinking doesn't do that.
2: Well, here's a little bit of what Caston said to his supporters last night.
0: This has also been a hard, a hard cycle for political reasons. Jim
1: Clyburn has this theory that when parties lose their base, they pivot back in the next, they lose an election, they come back and they win their base and you go from there. But when parties lose the middle, the other party takes the middle and what remains of that party that has lost the middle can only survive if it continues to double down on its base and become ever more radicalized.
2: Tina, does Caston's uh, win by about eight percentage points suggest that the political winds are shifting in the suburbs?
3: I think so, and also I'd say that was my favorite speech last night. It sounded the most genuine. Everyone in the newsroom kind of huddled to watch it. Yeah. Um, he was in like kind of a crappy office. It wasn't like it wasn't like a beautiful hotel room with champagne. Yeah, um, he spoke about his daughter who died next to his surviving daughter who was tearing up, um, and it was very genuine. And yeah. it, it was that whole discussion about democracy um, and the fight for democracy. He talked about COVID deaths. Nobody talked about COVID deaths. It's like the pandemic didn't happen, um, and so. Yeah. I thought his speech kind of hit these really realistic um, elements that I had not heard in these super fiery political speeches. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think people thought that race would be a lot closer um, from from everyone I've spoke to in the days ahead. Um, But it could have been part of that Republican narrative where they said things were going to be better than they were.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, Lauren Underwood, as I mentioned, she held on to her seat in the 14th district north and west of the city. Let's hear from her. Together, we must rise to the challenges of protecting our values and defending our democracy. Republicans, they've been open about their plans. We know what's coming. But if there's one thing I know about all of you here with me, it's this. We are not surrendering our country to these people. The results of this election are victory for our community. But our work, our work is far from over. Everything. Everything that we value about our country is at risk. With our continued commitment, our nation will become the more perfect union that we know that we can be. I know that. Tina, remind us who she is, and, and I'm curious what you made of her win last night.
3: Uh, Lauren Underwood. She um, Biden has campaigned for her several times. Um, it, it was a district that they were concerned about because she has won by small margins. He kept on coming back. We thought it was kind of funny because... Biden, um, you know, has unpopular approval ratings, and he kept on trying to help her. We weren't sure if it was going to help her or not, and it did. Um, She is a former nurse, I believe. And, Dave, what are her other backgrounds? I forget. I just remember the nurse part. Yeah, she's Yeah, healthcare worker turned
2: congresswoman. She's 36, um, flipped her district from red to blue back in 2018. Um, Yeah, I mean, those are pretty much the highlights with her. This is the third term that she's just won.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just seems like the other day that she had defeated Randy Hultgren, who was uh, the the, the long Republican congressman in that area. I mean, it's just you know the, the when Democrats restructured the congressional boundaries, they they did they did her some favors by by giving her a little more friendly turf, you know, little pieces of of Lake County that that has gone heavily Democratic, a little bit of Kane County, some some Cook, and so it it really kind of made her task a little easier and. Mm-hmm. You know she's she's now suddenly developing a little bit of seniority uh, and and footing out there. That you know it's it's uh, that's that's when uh, political figures start getting momentum when they've been you and know when she, they get a tenure
3: and once you flip a seat they want it that color forever. So yeah. that's what they were worried about. She flipped it and they wanted to make sure that it continues.
2: Well, sticking with, with Congress, I know Democrat Delia Ramirez became the first Guatemalan member of Congress. She won her seat in the third district. And Democrat Jonathan Jackson is going to fill the shoes of the retiring Bobby Rush in, in that first district. What do you make of those wins, Dave?
0: Well, I mean, D- Delia Ramirez, a former state lawmaker from Springfield, uh, this was a, a district that that Democrats carved out uh, in hopes uh w- with the aim of creating a second latino majority uh district and and they did so kind of gambling because uh to create that district it stretches from you know Logan square all the way out to West chicago and dupage county and and through o'Hare and and what have you but but they 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 gambled because they took away uh friendly turf from sean caston mm-hmm. uh, they they took took turf away uh, uh elsewhere and so it's, it 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 became Bill Foster was another one who kind of felt that a little bit. Um so it paid off, you know, it paid off. They didn't they didn't wind up losing anything as a result of that and they get a, a a situation where they can now point to, you know, the Democratic Party. We 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 value Latino votes. We value the Latino constituency and and there there've been these uh there's been this reporting, you know, nationally about how Democrats have have kind of had Latino support slipping away from them, mm-hmm. and, and Latinos have been sort of drifting either out of politics or toward Republicans in, in some parts of the country. So so this is an effort by the state Democratic Party to make sure that doesn't happen here.
2: Dave, in some states across the country, voters weighed in on ballot initiatives related to abortion. And what we saw from the results suggested that abortion rights was an issue that brought out voters. Do we have any indication that that was the case in Illinois as well?
0: Well, we do. I mean, uh, in early October, the Sun-Times and WBEZ uh, polled Illinois registered voters and found that 52 percent of them wanted Roe v. Wade to stay legal. So the majority of, of Illinoisans were were in favor of abortion rights. Uh, only 36 percent said it should be illegal. So you have an idea there of, of the of the way the state's leaning. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's an issue that, that that Governor Pritzker and Democrats up and down the ticket tailored their campaign ads around. I mean they you know almost every thing that popped up on the on your television set in between the newscasts oh my goodness. football games and those everything ads. else. They were all they they all had a mention of abortion rights in them. They're so done, hallelujah. It was all I think a bid to try to really play hard to uh, you know suburban democrats and get them out to the polls and and they did. It worked.
2: Yeah. Well, in many national polls and in exit polls yesterday inflation and the economy those were top issues for voters. Typically, voters will trend toward Republicans when that's the case. But with what we are seeing, can we say that voters' views on abortion rights really are just counteracting that trend?
0: Well, I think I think there's that. And uh, in the the montage we played there, uh, our friend Tom Serif, and you know, talked about democracy uh, on the ballot as well. I mean, you know, I think that a lot of people are just sort of. They're they're tense about the situation in our country, yeah. and and you know we don't like none of us like paying more at the stores and 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 paying more for rent and our mortgages, but but at the same time we want stability, and and I think that's kind of what you know when when you have a, a long standing right that people had in in abortion rights fifty years taken away that that's a very disruptive thing to happen to people. Oh yeah, and 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 the same way with the the, the fact that you have. Uh, the, the you know the we've been watching the the January sixth committee and 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 the dissection of what happened uh, during the insurrection and and Trump's role in ginning that up uh, that's very unsettling to people and mm-hmm. and then you see these folks around the country who are election deniers on the ballot and and uh, you know I think that that what we saw yesterday you know besides abortion rights it was also a, a statement here in Illinois and elsewhere that. You know we're a democracy, and we're not for being authoritarian. You know, governed by an authoritarianism. Yeah. That's that's really what I think we saw.
3: Thoughts, Tina? Um, I do think that many people have private opinions about abortion and abortion rights, and just in discussions I've had with women in politics, they didn't they weren't seeing that reflected in these national polls. Not saying these national polls were wrong, but they did expect something like this to happen that there would be this influx of support for abortion rights that we would see on actual election day. And that's kind of what I've seen. I have a group text with some women in politics, and mm-hmm. they, that's what we predicted, and that's what happened. The group chats were lit last yep, night. Yes, they were. For sure. Um, sticking with abortion rights,
2: Democrats held on to the state Supreme Court. If they hadn't, we might have been in a situation with a Democratic governor, uh, a Democratic supermajority in Springfield, but a judiciary that was leaning to the right. That didn't happen, though. Fill us in, Dave
0: yeah i mean that that was just sort of emblematic of the of the night that, that Republicans had and Democrats had uh, you know Republicans really had a golden opportunity here it's so rare for for two state supreme court seats to open up at the same time. i mean I think the last time it happened was twenty years ago Jeez. so so you get an idea there that the, the, the there was a lot at stake here, and Republicans were banking on the idea that if there was some sort of you know national republican wave that maybe that would would play into the politics here. This, the, you know, most people had no idea who these folks were that were on the ballot, and and our, you know, our listeners in Chicago weren't even involved in these two state supreme court races. These were right. all. These were both out in the collar counties, so all the collar counties were involved, and and they were at the very end of of, of the ballot, and you know, so there was just a, you know, a lot of uncertainty. So the Democrats and and abortion rights uh, advocates in particular mounted a very aggressive. Uh, push to make sure people voted in those races. And so what it wound up doing, uh, Elizabeth Rochford uh, in Lake County defeated uh, the the former Lake County Sheriff uh, and Republican Mark Curran uh, and and won that district. Uh, That includes Kane, Lake, McHenry, Mm -hmm. DeKalb, and Kendall counties. And then uh, in the other open seat, the third district, uh, uh, Democratic Appellate Justice Mary Kay O'Brien defeated Incumbent state supreme court justice Michael Burke from DuPage County, and that that was a district that includes uh, a, a bunch of counties to the southwest of Chicago, but also you know DuPage and Will counties. So oh, that
2: win, that win's been called. That
0: win has been called. Mm. Uh, uh, Burke conceded the race uh, uh, late last night. I so gotcha. so those things really uh, sealed the deal for for uh, Democrats. And you think about the importance of all that. Uh, you, you know, as the question alluded to, it would have created. A complete nightmare yeah for for j. B. Pritzker in a second term, not to mention all the stuff they did in the first term that could be eventually winding its way into the court, uh, you know for example, the two thousand and nineteen law that that codified roe v Wade in Illinois. that could have been undone by a republican led court, so uh-huh. Pritzker and Democrats don't have that to worry about now
2: and before we rifle through some other statewide races in illinois, i got to touch on this is Republicans. Around much of the country really they they believed that playing up problems with crime was really going to resonate with voters. right We talked about this yesterday on on reset as well uh, at least locally it, it's not looking like that was a winning strategy
0: no, it wasn't. I mean, I think you know they they intended the the, the Republicans who pushed crime uh focused in on the the passage of the the safety act, which changed the way that 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 uh bail is created i mean it it doesn't allow cash bail to be set anymore. You know, the, in, in making the pitch against that law and, and highlighting crime, uh, some Republicans here, I think, kind of turn ghoulish on this issue. And, and by that, I mean uh, the, the, the pack, the, play by, the people who play by the rules pack that, that was funded by GOP megadonor Dick Uline and led by consultant Dan Proft, you know, they aired an ad. Uh, that involved a, a woman in Chicago being attacked, and it was doorbell footage mm-hmm. uh, and, and it was called the scream and you you heard her scream and and it was uh, I, I mean I anybody who saw that ad before it was taken down because Pritzker objected um, it was a jolting thing to look at but then you know as you peel back the onion and learn more about it it was it was it involved a victim who hadn 't been even consulted by these people about her likeness being put out in front of the entire electorate. And and from that standpoint, I, I just I have I have zero respect for that. Mm. It's it's like, you know, you're you're traumatizing a person a second time. And so you, you have an example there of where Republicans overplayed their hand significantly and it blew up.
3: I don't think that's over too. Sasha you talked about the end of ads. I'm so sorry it's gonna happen very soon oh, for the mayoral yeah. and the people who play the rules that's pack true. still has a lot of money. And they did. How could attack. I forget about the mayor's race? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's <laughs> happening starting today. But so those ads, I'm sure. I are passed going to a Willie Wilson
2: ad, uh, you know, ad on my way to work. Yeah. Yes.
3: And so crime will be a huge thing as well. Um, I wanted to mention that in New York, this was also an issue. They also had a cash bail situation um, that harmed Kathy Hochul's campaign for mm-hmm. governor. Um, she was kind of hit hard towards the end and it got it got pretty close. J.B. Pritzker was able to kind of bypass that. Yeah. But she was she was in serious danger of losing based on those attacks on crime.
2: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're here with our colleagues, Dave McKinney of WBEZ and Tina Spondellis of the Chicago Sun-Times discussing the results of the midterm elections and what they mean for you. Let's quickly tick through some other statewide races in Illinois. I just
1: called my opponent, Alexi Junius, and congratulated my opponent. And I wish him and his family best wishes and success
0: that is why my focus has always been and will be on restoring public trust
2: politics isn't my thing as i'm a first-time candidate but i I had to take this journey to get to this place so that we can continue to advance the work of the courts all right so those are some of the voices that we're about to discuss tina attorney general what happened there
3: Attorney General um, Kwame, Kwame Raoul beats uh, the Republican candidate Tom DeVore. He was very controversial. He filed lots of lawsuits during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh he was using the a bully pulpit all the time. He was making people mad, <laughs> etc. Uh he was in Chicago a lot towards the end. Um a lot of ties to Bailey. They would appear together. Sharing staffers at the end, apparently.
0: What are the tattoos on his arm? Freedom I, and, and uh, something else. Liberty, potential, yeah, right. potentially. Justice for all. Uh, yeah.
3: yeah. And so, you know, there about 40 some percent of people voted for him, which just shows that people were following the Republican ticket. Yeah. Um, and he he was very optimistic. He was optimistic. He thought he had a chance, but he did not have a chance. Secretary of State, Dave.
0: Well, uh, Janulius, we know uh, because he was a former state treasurer here. He also ran unsuccessfully for U.S. Senate, mm-hmm. um, and and so for him, this is a this is a big step up and a kind of a revival of his political career. Um, this, the Secretary of State office has been in Jesse White's hands for you yeah. know, since some people have been alive. So,
2: you know? anything Janulius might do differently, you think?
0: Well, I mean, you know, the main thing about that office is that, you know, it's, it's where we go to get our driver's licenses. And so, right. you know, that is the bread and butter of that place. People don't like standing in lines. And, and so long as he, you know, keeps that process going and, and you know, he will he should not have trouble there. It's an office that's a stepping stone. It can be for higher political office. We've seen that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Edgar, before he became governor in the 1990s, he was a secretary of state. Before Edgar, uh, Alan Dixon, a Democrat from Belleville, he went on to become U.S. senator Uh, After being Secretary of State, so you know you look at Janolius, this might be a a platform to something bigger and better. Beyond that, you know we played in the in the clips there. His opponent, Dan Brady, uh, a Republican from uh, 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 Bloomington, I believe, and you know he was a member of House Republican leadership, a moderate Republican. uh, And I just you know it just sort of strikes me. You know we're in this age of where you know losing candidates are not you know showing any grace; they're not conceding elections, not conceding losses. And, and you just listen to his words, and it, it showed class. You know, that's the way a losing candidate, a Republican or a Democrat, should behave. Mm-hmm. Respect the will of the voters. Show class. And that's what Brady did.
2: Talk about uh, treasurer and comptroller.
0: Well, the uh, the, the treasurer, uh, in both cases, went to the Democratic incumbents. Uh, uh, Susana Mendoza wins another term as state comptroller. Michael Frerichs wins another term as state treasurer. Those are, are – uh, kind of the, the lower tier statewide offices, um, they... they, they uh,
3: yeah, speaking of that, what yeah. do they do, Tina? <laughs> uh, I researched this because I wanted to make sure I got it right. Okay. So the treasurer, it, uh, he invests <laughs> our money to make into more money. Okay. Uh, that's the basic function of the treasurer. Like, it's not a super sexy job. It's just not. Okay. But it's an important job. Um, and also, that's Mike Frerich's, those emails that you get about, hey, you got $7 from 10 years ago that for a refund <laughs> it's that guy that's that that's the guy <laughs> okay. although um,
0: i i put in for that uh i don't know not too long ago and then i learned that i had an unpaid parking ticket in uh-oh. the city of Springfield. so
3: did they deduct it they took it away i didn't i didn't <laughs> oh, no. get my money in the mail that's middle. awesome that's terrible um and so and then the comptroller um pays our bills yeah. um and that was a huge function during the budget impasse when they were she was unable to pay the bills and so she's She's basically been showing how quickly the state has been able to pay their bills when there is a budget. Yeah, um, and their GOP competitors were actually part of the Griffin slate, I believe, or they were hoping to get some funding uh, after the primary if Richard Irvin had won. Um, and I believe Tom Demer is he, he's no longer in the Illinois House, or, yeah
0: he'll he'll be he'll be out as of January.
3: So he was seen as. They've lost some of their rising stars because Avery Bourne ran with Richard Irvin as his running mate. She's a young young, rising Republican star, and so is Tom Dummer. So these people took chances in running.
2: Well, when it comes to Cook County races, let me give us some key results here. Democrat Tony Preckwinkle won re-election as president of the county board, beating lawyer Bob Fioretti. Democrat Fritz Kage won his second term as county assessor. Democrat Karen Yarbrough won another term as county clerk. Democrat Maria Pappas will again be county treasurer. And Democrat Tom Dart won another term as Cook County Sheriff. This episode of Reset was produced by Dan Tucker. It was edited by Ethan Schwab. Want more political coverage from thoughtful journalists? Then subscribe to our podcast. Even outside of the elections, we cover everything happening in politics in Chicago and across the country. That's it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow.